finally here. The draft and four four months of debate and discussion and hype and agendas and narratives and picks. And smoke screens. It's finally come to it. Smoke screens. So much smoke. It's finally come to an end. The draft is over. The picks have been made. Oh, what is that sound? Jay, is that what I think it is? It is the best beer of the year. Oh, coined you're by have you. The best beer of the year on the podcast? Well, I opened it. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll wait to drink yeah. it. Oh, I no, just wanted no. to let it, <laughs> let it flow. It is the best beer of the year. Yes. That's, you coined that phrase a few years ago and I, I use it every year. It's, it is so true. It's so good <laughs> to have this behind us. It does feel a little different this year with the sitting at home the whole weekend. There's not as much of the stress and the uh, camaraderie of you. Kind of, you sort of end up losing your mind. You end up yelling and debating about picks and decisions, and Lord knows what over the course of three days inside Paul Brown Stadium. Doing it home, there was a little more sanity to it for me, and I didn't like that. I did like this morning, just kind of rolling out of bed and not having to, because you know we we normally go out after the the Friday night and then you're turning around trying to get back down to the stadium on Saturday at a respectable hour and it was nice just to kind of roll out of bed this morning and take it easy before the the draft kicked off at noon but yeah I will miss getting together with everybody tonight for sure a lot to get to uh so we will we will dive in I, I do want to say we this is we're just sort of wrapping this up on Saturday night and um we're going to get through some themes here, but we have another we have another set of shows that we're going to get to uh, this week. I'm really excited about this. Um, I, I think it's fun right now to view the Bengals as a whole. They did a lot this off season over the last month and a half, a whole lot to change opinions, to change the way things operate, to change um, the way the team and this roster looks, the way they're viewed, their cool factor. I wanted to look at that through four different lenses. So this week we're going to have a feature. It's going to be a four podcast feature on the view of the Bengals through the eyes of the scout. So it's going to be director of college scouting Mike Potts is going to join me for a conversation for one episode. Uh, the coach. So we're going to talk to offensive coordinator Brian Callahan for an episode. The fan. You know, you know the fan. I gotta go to Optimistic Bobby. I've never been more excited to talk to somebody to get the view of a fan than Optimistic Bobby, owner of 50 West, uh, known as the most optimistic Bengals fan around, who I love talking to, and he has many things to say, he's told me. And he has many, he has a lot of company now. His, he does. His, his bandwagon is, uh, is very full out there at 50 West. Um, and the player. I'm gonna talk with CJ Uzama, Bengals tight end. Uh, about his, from his view, watching all of this happen from uh, you know from his uh, from his place. So, I think I'm really excited about this series to take a look at all all these things. What well, not just the draft, free agency, everything, but the view of the Bengals. So we have a lot to get to on that. There's gonna be a lot of podcast uh, coming to you this week. So look forward to that. But for now, let's talk about what ended, the draft ended up being. Uh. You go to uh, what ended up being day three here. Uh, Akeem Davis Gaither ends up being the first pick at Appalachian State linebacker. And, uh, the first pick of the fourth round. Uh, first pick of the fifth round. 
Khalid Kareem out of Notre Dame, an edge rusher. The sixth round, the first offensive lineman comes off the board for the Bengals, Hakeem Adeniji, Kansas offensive tackle. And then in the seventh round, their last, another linebacker, a third linebacker swing, Marcus Bailey, linebacker for Purdue. That is their day three to go with Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, and Logan Wilson. Jay, well, uh, first, first initial big picture impression for you, uh, from as the draft rounded out. If it's not a home run, it's a, it's a drive just off the top of the wall and legged out for a triple. I mean, it, it this went about as well as, as they could have hoped. Um, I'd love the idea of taking three linebackers. I, we, I, we talked about it before. I thought two was the way to go. And the, that's my favorite pick. I mean, obviously Joe Burrow is the pick. But that's there's no d- degree of difficulty there. It was a no brainer. There was there, nothing went into that pick. Um, well, I mean they 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 put a lot of work in, but it was it was a pick everybody would have made. The Marcus Bailey pick at the top of the seventh round. I, I just think that is a terrific pick. And in, in our draft series, I had him as you know a possible mid round sleeper, a fourth or fifth round guy, and he's still sitting there in the seventh round. Um, Daniel Jeremiah from NFL.com said this is a guy with second round tape. It all comes down to the injury and we, that happens a lot in these drafts with the Bengals. Um, he's, he's coming off, he had an ACL tear in, in the second game this year. It was his left knee. He tore his right knee earlier in his career, his freshman year, and he also had hip surgery. So he's got three surgeries behind him, but why not swing for the fences there in the seventh round? Who, who, I mean, Clayton Fedulin was a great seventh round pick and, and really what did he, he, he gave him good special teams for four years, but it's, it, it wasn't a difference maker on defense. Marcus Bailey can be that guy, especially when you look at their situation at linebacker. Why not take that chance? I, I just thought that was probably, you know, next to the Burrow pick, my favorite pick that they, they made in this whole draft. Yeah. I, I, um, I really like the Akeem Davis Gaither pick. You know, mm-hmm. he is, he checked every box we told you to look out for. And that was, and that they had stressed. He was the ultimate senior bowl advantage. I mean, they got a week with him on their team. Uh, the, the story, uh, that Lou Anarumo told us, uh, they talked about how much they learned about him as a person. And then me beyond the cliche, first one into the meeting room, last mm-hmm. one out and all coaches and all this stuff. During the game, he has a play uh, on a power run and, and an early play, and he misfits it. Comes off, he already kind of knows what he did, and they tell him that Coach Al Golden, linebackers coach, kind of talks him through it. Um, same exact play happens later in the game, and he nails it right in the right spot. Learned from his mistake. The exact kind of stuff that you pick up coaching the Senior Bowl, and that solidifies your opinion on learning ability, retention, it retention in the moment, um, and, and impre- being impressed with character and, and all of that stuff that you thought you believed in at, at App State for a small school guy who you felt proved himself against some of the bigger schools there, big, bigger names. And he was, you know, he, how long have Bengals fans begged, pleaded, please, just once, this one time do it, please. <laughs> A new wave, new school linebacker, please. And that's what, that's what he is. He's, you would call him undersized. 
Well, some coaches would call him undersized. People that understand the way the game's played now understand he's not undersized at 224. That, that's exactly the type of player the Bengals need. And, and all three of these, you know, Wilson and Gaither back to back who are high level athlete, secondary backgrounds, coverage ability. The word that you're going to hear all day, captains, leaders. Uh, I love, I, I love that because I feel like you solidify out of those three. You should be able to get a functioning linebacker out of one of those three. Like you yeah. really should be. They're, I mean, all three of them whiffing. Um, you know, you you really you really just take the quantity approach and just see what sticks on the wall here. And you might get two. I mean, they'll probably start the year with Josh Bynes, but one of those rookies could could supplant him as the year goes on. Um, you, you, the the Gaither thing we were kind of talking before we started this about all the captains they, they drafted. Um, and that makes sense because most of these players are best players on their teams and they're, they're going to be captains, but the Bengals named Akeem Davis guy. Yeah. Akeem Davis guy. They're their captain for the senior bowl. That's how much they were impressed with his leadership. And the other thing about him is a, a lot of people were um, bringing up the injury thing again and I asked him about that on, on his uh, Zoom interview with us today. And he did have surgery for a stress fracture on his foot. And I asked him if it was something, if he did it, because that happened in March, the surgery. Uh, I asked him if he did it in the Senior Bowl. And he said, no, he did it in the third game of the season last year. So he played through a stress fracture, played well enough to become an NFL prospect, Go to the Senior Bowl, impress everybody down there. Did that on a stress fracture. Uh, by all accounts, um, it, it's going to be healed. He said he's already running after the surgery. So I, I, I know a lot of people are skeptical about Bengals and injured draft picks, but it, it doesn't look like he falls into that that category of, of some of the guys in the past. We'll see. I mean, you know, who knows? There's reports people talking about, oh, he's got bone on bone in his knee and this, that, and the other. I don't know. If he runs and plays like he did last year with whatever his knee had going on, and that's with a stress fracture, I, the Bengals would take that. And if you're saying you're only going to get it for three or four years because you got something down the line, fine. Give me those three or four years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's like people when, when people move Miles Jack down the boards. Uh, in Jacksonville, uh, from a top five pick and Jacksonville gets him in the low thirties and he's dynamic. Well, maybe, I don't know if his career, how long his career is going to go, but I know when he is playing, he's going to be really damn good. And he's a difference maker for a team, uh, that was in the conference title game. Um, I'm not comparing him to Miles Jack. I'm saying when you talk about injury issues and, and worry about things that are going to be like that in the long run, um, I, I, this team needs linebackers as soon as they can get them. And so, uh, I, I'm totally fine, uh, with, with all of that. I, you know, if you come into this and end of this weekend, and you know you're going to get a linebacker out of one of those, even and none of those others come to fruition, and you get Burrow and Higgins, you know it goes the the torch passes from the Dalton Green era to the Burrow Higgins era a little bit, um, and you get you get one real quality linebacker and maybe another special teamer out of it, which. One of my favorite lines of the weekend. I love special teams. King Davis Gaither. He meant it. He, he meant did. that. He think he really does love special teams. <laughs> uh, he took a lot of pride in it. And, uh, you know, I just, that's, that's a successful draft. That's, and that's before you even talk about anybody else, uh, uh, that, that was, that was selected here. 
Yeah, because I mean, Logan Wilson, I thought was a really good pick. Um, the, the, the one that I found, I don't know. I was, I was a little surprised by the Adenajai pick at six, the, the offensive tackle, not cause they took one, but I, I just thought that there was a better option there. The, the kid from Auburn with the great backstory, who was also a senior bowl participant, uh, Prince Tiga Wanagoho. I, I, I thought that might be a better pick there, but then you look and three tackles go off the board between when the Bengals take Adenajai and, and when Prince goes off the board. So it, it wasn't there. There were a lot of teams that for whatever reason uh, dropped him a lot farther down. I, I think when this whole process started, you know, back in the, the senior bowl, even he was viewed as a much higher prospect. So there may have been, there may have been a medical situation at the combine that that cropped up, or but it's just it's odd to see him. He was the next to last pick of the sixth round, and it, that seemed like a pretty far drop. But really, you're drafting a an offensive lineman in the sixth round. You're it's it's just for depth, um, insurance basically. I I can't see Adenajai competing for a starting job this year, even though there are question marks on that line. Yeah, I mean, no doubt about that. I mean, he'll, he'll be he'll be competing to make the team. You know, I mean, right. that's that's where that's where he'll probably you know end up. That's where most of those guys at the bottom of the roster. You know, whether even you're talking about Khalid Kareem or you know Denije or Bailey, whatever. I mean, that's what they're going to be competing for is to is to find a roster spot. Um, I, I there's one thing here that does stick, that sticks out too, and and. We we went into the offensive line thing the other night, and I just got done writing fifteen hundred words on it. So you can open up the athletic and read it too. <laughs> I'm happy to go down that road again um, and, and talk more about uh, that, which was the major talking point I think that people came away with on Saturday. But before we do that, I, I do I do want to talk about the idea and the concept. This does sort of feed into the offensive line story of stacking off seasons. Stacking draft classes, stacking free agent classes with your types of people. And when you are doing a major roster rebuild and restructure, which is, I mean, good Lord, this thing is gutted down. I mean, it's, 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 it's hard to watch. It's so vicious. It's just a complete, I mean, when you, when you really run through now, if you look at your top 15, when you get into sub packages, fifteen to seventeen players on each side of the ball. I mean, it's it's so new. It's fifty percent or more new, going to be new this year, especially on defense. And it's just when you're trying to do that, you're trying to replace the culture. And, and the one thing that was really stressed to me um, by the staff when the season ended was they just need more guys that. Do it right every day. Care about doing it right every single day. And put the peer pressure on everyone else then to do it right every single day. There was just not anywhere in the vicinity of enough of that on this team. It was viewed as a major problem. And that's why Captain captain son of a coach captain 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 leader 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 all of it it was peppered throughout every single 
one of these picks. And, and again, like you said, you get a lot of these guys, yeah, they're captains, whatever. A captain at Notre Dame means something. That's no, I mean, that's not something, and that's not a quarterback. It's a defensive end. A captain at Notre Dame, okay, that means something. You know, these guys, it's more than being good players. It's 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 coaches that swear by their work ethic and how they bring other people along and know how to be leaders and understand the nuances of leadership. Jay, you kept tweeting it out. I mean, how many people had literally degrees in leadership? Yeah, well, you know. uh, Marcus <laughs> Bailey, the seventh-round pick, is currently pursuing a master's in leadership. I mean, it's just – and then you, you talked about uh, Kareem. He's, he has a, a, a degree – from the Notre Dame Business School. I mean, these these are guys that that are leaders. They're mature. A lot of them are three, four year starters. Uh, it's just it, there was a, a template. It was it was all those things. Uh, there was a handful of coaches, sons, as you mentioned. Uh, it just they had a type, and it wasn't that wasn't all they were looking for. But when you've got guys who whose tape is similar. They're going to lean toward the guy that, that fits that template. In the past, it's always been, you know, the physical trait templates where the long defensive ends, that type of stuff. This was about a template of makeup and character. And it, it just follows the consistent path that Zach Taylor laid down day one when they hired him, when they introduced him at that first press conference and he talked over and over and over again about culture and character. You're, you're absolutely right. And the one thing he said was, you know, this is not about getting a bunch of nice guys in a room. Uh, it was, it was us specifically trying to find the players that had both hmm. that had, had the talent, but also had this to boot and you could put those two together. And that's where you end up pinpointing. And that's where the senior bowl helped them so much. They had two other guys who they were around on the North team who they, you know, you, you're around them for a day. You get a day with them. They do the, they do a swap and you're around them on the team. Um, so it's not as much as the South team, but the North team, you also get them too. You two other guys that, that they were around in that respect and you get to know them that way. And that's, that was, that's part of understanding all of that too, but it's, it's all part of building this character and culture. I mean, I, I remember being at the, the Super Bowl the year that the Bengals had hired Zach. We're, preemptively had hired Zach Taylor and, and listening to Andrew Whitworth and Robert Woods uh, and a bunch of other players on that Rams team talking about that was the secret to the sauce of success with the Rams was the focus on character and culture there was what turned it around. And and that being the beginning of so many conversations was what, what really, you know, that really made the difference of getting the best out of all of those people. Cause everyone's great athletes. You know, the best teams are the ones that understand leadership, understand playing together, understand all of that stuff. And, and it's not about collecting a paycheck and whatever, and just uber talented dudes. And they're suddenly going to put it together. There's some of that, but understanding that the, the real next level, when there's so much talent everywhere and everyone's eight and eight, the real next level are the teams that understand how to put it together as a whole and getting a bunch of guys like this is, is how they view team building, roster building. And that's where they're at with this. And that's why this draft class looks like this. Yeah. I mean, think about it when, when 
Andrew Whitworth left, what what they lost in leadership there. I mean, Andy and AJ are leaders, but they're they're different kind of. They're quiet leaders. This is just this is like the, you stock a position with talent and let the cream rise to the top, and you have that competition. It's going to be the same thing for leadership. You got all you bring in all these guys that were leaders and captains in college, and it's going to be a fight to see who are the captains and the stewards of this team. And it's going to be such a young roster. These guys are just going to grow and get better and better as leaders. And it, it won't be very long before you have two, three, four, five guys that are Andrew Whitworth type leaders, uh, you know, taking over this locker room. Yeah. You need, you, you need eight Sam Hubbard's not one. You know, it's like, that's, that's what, that's what it's about is finding more of, of those types of guys. Um, as far as, uh, you know, the offensive line, let's just, let's just go in there once more here. Um, it's, I would say one thing that kind of occurred to me as I started to write this that maybe I have not talked about in the many rants in the many stories, in the in the many columns uh, about this topic of I I you know I think it's realistic to see that where they've left themselves open here is yeah they they have not taken that big step at the offensive line they have not said we're going to be great here they're 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 saying if things go right they can be average or maybe above average if thing if and that's it's a problem but I mean there's one, you, you can't fix everything in one offseason. We know that. You can expedite that. I thought this weekend was the first time we saw them pay the price for not de- making deals at the trade deadline and not find a way to move Andy Dalton. One or two extra picks in that middle range even is the difference between Getting an, uh, another uh, an interior offensive lineman in the third or fourth round, and not, you know, and and coming away with one guy in the six, it's leaving that one last hole that you didn't get because because the board did break for you in certain ways and did not break for the offensive line warrior, right? It look if 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 Isaiah Wilson is there at thirty three, we might not be talking about T Higgins, but he's not. He went off at twenty nine. And if they didn't need linebacker and feel so good about Logan Wilson, maybe they do take Josh Jones from Houston. I, I don't get that impression, but maybe they do. Or maybe they go a different direction, and it is an offensive lineman on their board. If you have that extra pick, but not making any trades, whether it was dealing Eifert, whether it was taking whatever you could get for Andrew Billings, whether it was seeing if anybody could take on Andy Dalton, I mean – Whatever, there's a lot of ifs in that, and you're going way back, and you're playing a conversation game from a long time ago. But the opportunity to add a couple of picks, even in the mid-rounds, could have made a difference here. Um, being able to get Andy Dalton off your books and getting something back for him this offseason and not kind of falling victim of the, the carousel um, could have made a difference for you in being a little more aggressive with the offensive line. And I think that is where you fall short in getting that need maybe taken care of a little bit um, was they just didn't have enough picks to do it. They didn't have enough picks to it. By the time they got to it, it was a sixth round. Yeah, and, I mean, if you think about it, if if they do trade Andy Dalton, um, what happens? They 
you've got the extra picks this year, there, there's a really good chance they go 0 and 16 or maybe 1 and 15 because the Browns weren't fighting for much in, in week 17. You go 0 and 16, it's ugly. It's a stain. It, it, it kind of stay, well, it does. It stays in the record book forever. But realistically, what would that mean right now? You turn the page and they would still be in the same position, have the number one overall pick. But if they trade Andy Dalton, then maybe they do have a couple extra picks like you're talking about. And do any free agents sign here if they go 0 and 16? Well, good, good. It's a good point. It feels different. It just, it feels <laughs> different when you're two and 14 and you're 0 and 16 and you're DJ Reader or Von Bell or, or, uh, or, or Trey Waynes or whoever. Yeah. Yeah. It's about money, but 0 and 16, man, you know what? I'll take a couple middle less to go for somewhere else. But is there does a really Joe Burrow bad- want to come here or does Joe Burrow really go all blow it up? Yeah. There's a, there's, there's a, there's so many variables that come off of, of those decisions, but. I'm just saying. I mean, I think there's there's a lot of fallout, and you're now you're in the position where is as much as it makes sense, and everybody, everybody, most people know that that follow the team closely know that it has to be done to cut Andy Dalton. But it's still it, it, there's a bad optic to it. A guy that has done so much for the for the team over the last decade, and it, it just it looks like an unceremonious whacking and. They, they talked. I mean, they came out and said it. They were going to do, they wanted to do right by Andy and that that's not cutting him isn't quite doing right by him. If they cut him right after the draft, then, then that look, at least that saves a little face because you're saying, okay, we're giving him a chance to catch on with another team and, and start when the Zoom meetings and, and the, the virtual offseason starts, you're giving him a head start getting, getting caught on with another team, but, it's just it it would have been so much more convenient to to have just dealt him at the trade deadline last year as opposed to holding on and and going through this whole situation and and getting nothing for him yeah we'll, we'll see that sort of a there i guess maybe some small update or latest update on that i mean obviously not traded this weekend no no trade yeah, uh uh i'll finish this thought remind me uh, i want to talk about billy price and the cowboys um th- the thing is, they Zach Taylor sort of said, "Okay, we're going to look into it this weekend." Now uh, we'll see where that's at after this weekend. You know, mm-hmm. teams are going to come back tomorrow, reevaluate what they did, didn't do, and where they sit salary cap wise, paying their picks. What kind of money do they have? What do they need? Who didn't? I mean, New England never addressed quarterback. Mm-mm. They, I mean, really didn't at all. Um, what are they going to do now? You know. Were they, were they thinking the whole time, well, we're not going to show our hand. We think that we can get Jordan Love and did not expect, you know, the Packers to stick it to Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, maybe that was their plan or maybe this, there's some other plan that they had that fell apart or, or somewhere else. I mean, they, maybe they will come out and try to make a deal. You don't know. I think the Bengals are going to wait and see if they hear anything after the, the draft fallout happens. And at that point, you know, yeah, we, I think we probably do move towards, uh, letting Andy go and letting him go latch on elsewhere. Um, Billy Price, the move. Did you notice the move by the Cowboys tonight? I did not. It happened right in front of the Bengals. Uh, right. Uh, I believe it was the end of the fourth round. Dallas traded with the Eagles of all people 
and came up right in front of Cincinnati and selected a center, um, the kid out of Wisconsin. And I found that interesting because <laughs> they had not taken a center the entire time. They so desperately need one after losing Tyler Frederick. And I thought at that point if they didn't get one, they would have to call the Bengals and trade them a pick for potentially for Billy Price. Um, maybe that, maybe that fifth round, maybe the Cowboys five for Billy Price, which is something we put in our trade mock. And the fact that they jumped right in front of Cincinnati of all teams, uh, to take the, the, uh, the center out of Wisconsin, I found interesting. And I wonder if they didn't make that deal or if weren't able to make that deal, if, if maybe the deal would have been for Billy Price instead. Maybe they felt he was the last center they could possibly get that could start. And if they didn't, they'd have to trade in a different way. But, you know, they were, they gave up a pick in order to get that, to get that choice. I thought that was, that's kind of an interesting decision rather than maybe giving up a pick to get Billy Price. What they, what, do you know what pick they gave up to move up there? I'd have to go back and look at the transaction and, and whether it was a swap or what exactly it amounted to. Um, but I know they, I, there was a, a two for one of some sort, uh, to come up, uh, with the Eagles. So, because that's interesting. I mean, they they view a a fourth round. I mean, if if it was the same, if they're giving up basically the same thing to the Eagles to move up as they would be giving up the Bengals for Price, they they view a a fourth round unproven rookie to be worth that trade more so than a guy in Billy Price that was a first round pick two years ago. Yeah, the terms the terms of that deal. Uh, where the Cowboys jumped up to grab 146, which is the final pick in the fourth round, right before the Bengals went uh, in, the, in the fifth, sending uh, 164 and a 2021 fifth to Philly. So, okay, it, I mean, fifth round pick. Who knows? Maybe the Bengals were wanted more or something. I don't. You know, mm-hmm. we we know they're not good at trading. So uh, maybe they maybe that was part of it. I don't know. Um, and I don't, I don't, and this is not me speaking on some, you know, something I know. I don't, I don't know that Billy Price was in the mix to be traded at all. I found, I found the juxtaposition of them jumping right in front of Cincinnati fairly fascinating. Yeah, um, the other because, thing is because what? Why would they feel the need to get right there? You know why? Because they probably thought, well, if they're trying to trade us Billy Price, they're probably going to take our guy. Yeah. Right. Like, why else would they think to get right there? Yeah, true. And but the, the Brian Callahan brought up in one of his press conferences today that you really, I mean Billy has value. He's really the only backup center they have for Trey Hopkins. I mean, you Michael Jordan played center at Ohio State, but he's he's struggling enough at guard. I, I don't know, you know, if something were to happen to Trey and you had gotten rid of Billy, it would that may not be the best situation. So maybe they just feel more comfortable hanging on to Billy as a depth piece in, in case anything were to happen to Trey. Cause I don't know that there's anybody else on this roster that, that, that could fill in it at center. Right. Which is why if you traded Billy price and got a pick for it, you probably would use it on somebody like another, like you're right. You know, and I think Dallas knew that if you're in those discussions, if you've had those discussions, you would know exactly what team you need to get in front of for sure. Just food for thought, food for thought. That's all. Um, anything else we need to get to? Because we've been doing this for a while, and yeah, I, I need <laughs> to get lot to of my podcasts. Jaeger. You, you've got, you've got, you've got Jaeger. Your 
Hamilton bourbon waiting for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you you've got to get to that. The, the The bottle of Woodford is awaiting me, and I can't wait to uh, to knock it out. Um, we'll, we'll we'll have more. To, we're we're going to have our uh, you know the uh, the four views of the new Bengals era for you series coming next week. So keep an eye out for that. Plenty more reaction uh, to all the draft stuff and new looks at the roster and everything else coming your way as well on the athletic. Make sure you hop in. If you, if you miss all the draft stuff, you're not a subscriber, still have the 90 day free trial out there for you and you can take a run at everything that we had. Did I, did we, I got to feel organizationally, we may have cracked the thousand draft stories in the hopper. It was it was like in the mid five hundreds at one point on Thursday, like from the whole like draft season. With all that I saw cranked out over these three days by every single writer we have, I I can't imagine what that number is up to now. Yeah, I just I, there's a I, lot I, of content. I, <laughs> I sent a I got a thank you from one of our editors, and I turned around and sent it right back, and just said it's just been incredible the the coordination between the college staff and the NFL staff and just the whole execution of this whole weekend. It's just something really proud to be a part of. And if, if you haven't subscribed to The Athletic yet, by all means, take that, that 90-day test drive because there is you, – you, you will have things to read for months. There is so much up right now. There really is, and it's, it's so in-depth. It's so plugged in. Um, yeah, no doubt. I agree with you, Jay. I'm just super proud to be part of a team that could pull off everything – um, from the podcast and, and our guy, our producer, Chris Meany, knocking it out, uh, staying up with us late every night, listening to us ramble into the evening incoherently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, everybody, uh, that's part of the audio team on the editorial staff. It's just, uh, it's been really, it's been really, really cool to, to, to be a part of it. And there's just, just no doubt about it. And, um, thanks to all you Bengals fans that, uh, that have consumed it and, and been subscribers and are with us, man. We love you and appreciate you so much. You know, times are tough, uh, for a lot of people out there. And the fact that a lot of you are standing by us and, and, and caring about good content and quality journalism uh, at this time is just, uh, means a lot. So, uh, thanks to everybody that has, that has, um, that has done that. Let's drink, Jay. Oh, yes. Here we go. <laughs> best, best beer best of the drink, year. Best beer of the year. Here we go. Thanks, everyone, for listening here to that podcast ground. We'll talk to you on the flip side. Have a good one, everybody.